This is the 4th Official Podcast. I'm your host, John Walker, and joining me this week is Will Still. Will is currently the assistant coach in Ligue 1, the French side Stade de Rennes. We discuss his crammed CV, while just at the age of 28, has been assistant coach at Standard Liège, winning the Belgian Cup, was a head coach at 24 in the second division of Belgian football, before recently finding himself in charge of top flight club Biescott at the age of 28, making him the youngest coach in Belgian top flight history. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to share on all your social media platforms and help us grow. Enjoy. Well, we're approaching the open day of the French League versus Nice. Um, how has pre-season been and how have you, you settled in France? Uh, pretty well, to be honest. Um, I started seven weeks ago now. Uh, we did all the medical testing and then we go through the long, hard process that pre-season is, um, <laughs> which is not the most enjoyable time of the year, even for sort of coaching staff. Um, but it's, you know, new people, new environment, a uh, new way of, of doing things and, and seeing things. Um, so no, really interesting and so far so far so good do you speak the language is that where my ignorance comes in do you speak both yeah well having grown up in Belgium I can speak English uh, Flemish and, and, and French right so you're settled in there quite well yeah no it was that was straightforward and easy yeah, yeah. Um, how did the move come about then because obviously you've been in Belgium like your whole coaching career how does your move came about to, to France is there a connection from someone you've met in a license before not at all. Uh, the club uh, have got a, a like a recruitment um, staff, I'd call it, um, and they basically rang me up uh, as I sort of stopped my contract at, at Beerscott. The club uh, was that in Belgium, um, and they rang me up and said, "Listen, you know, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We want to have a chat about you know what what your future um, or what you want to do with your future." Um, so I came down. Uh, you know, did the two-hour drive from from home, and had a chat with them about you know where I want to go and where they wanted uh, to go as a club and as a and as a staff. Um, and they basically said, you know, we want you to be part of the of the coaching staff next season. Um, and they said, you know, we've been following you for the last sort of three or four years, um, and I just felt, you know, why not? Let's go and try something else, different country, bigger league. Um, you know, at the end of the day, more money um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an experience I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss. So, uh, out of the blue, uh, a phone call, um, and they'd apparently been following me for, uh, for a few years. Yeah, it was a club that we looked a wee bit into um, ourselves, off a mascots abroad when Fraser Hornby joined them, and it seemed like a lot of the recruitment on the playing side had been quite intelligent. It had been people they'd been looking at um, on the younger side that they can maybe develop and progress within the club and hopefully promote from within. So are you are you kind of on a coaching pathway within there as to what you can maybe see as a development programme for yourself, obviously off the back of what you've already achieved? Yeah, well, exactly. I think that's the way they, they sort of sold it to me. Um, as a club where I can, you know, make a next step and grow A as a person and B as a, as a coach. Um the way they bring players in and the way they bring, you know, people in, um, they make sure they get, you know, the right people and not just the right, you know, member of staff, the right player. Um, and that, you know, sort of people aspect to it was, was, was quite important. Um, you know, they, they knew who I was, they knew what I'd done, they knew, you know, what I'd been through. Um, and it, it just felt right. You know, I've often said, I'll do whatever feels right, feels right with me. Um, and this just felt like the right opportunity at the right time because I had 
a couple of other offers, uh, whether it be in Belgium or in, or in Holland. But this just felt like the, the, the next step and the right thing to do at this moment in my career. Um, and, you know, I'm quite excited to be discovering uh, Ligue 1 and, and the French Football League. So, uh, that's good. Yeah, we'll go back a bit now, Will, because you've, you've crammed in um, quite a massive CV work um, within like the seven, eight years that, that I've looked back and seen. So, you started out as a, a video analyst in low leagues. Yeah, I started off in second division in Belgium. Um a club I'd actually played for when I was a kid, so it was a bit like, like going home. Um, studied a, a you know a foundation degree of football coaching in England. I came back to Belgium and started off as a video analyst at that club. Um, in the first season I was there, we won the league, um, and so I went back to first division, which was like a you know a dream come true after one year's work. Um, and then the coach got you know picked up by Standard Liège. Um, and he asked me to go with him. So, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, I was, I was off and I was, I was following him to go to, the, well, to one of the biggest clubs here in Belgium, well, back in Belgium. Um, we won the Cup, the Belgian Cup in our first season. Uh, I was head of video analysis, but I was also assistant coach like, on the pitch and, and, you know, taking training sessions and, and what have you. Um, we got fired the year after, after winning twice on the trot and sitting third in the league. It was more about politics than anything else. Um, but I went back to second division as, a, as an assistant coach again at Lichse. Um Spent the end of that season uh, with the club. And then the next year, the coach got fired after, I think it was four or five games. And the president, you know, rang me up and said, right, Will, you're taking over. Um, your head coach for the rest of the season, and that was just sort of like, hang on, I've, you know, I've been I've been at three clubs and I'm 24. This just sounds ridiculous, um, but you know that's what the club wanted. And <laughs> I'd asked the players, I'd asked the staff, um, and everyone was was right behind it, so we did it. Um, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, we had a great season. We finished the season off much better than we started it. Um, and then the club went bust. Financial issues came into play and we weren't paid the last three months of the season but still finished off third. Um, and then went to Beerscott who were another team in second division. Again as assistant coach. Uh, spent three seasons there. Two was, well two and a half as assistant coach and then in my last year there last year uh, Again, the club asked me to become head coach and to finish the season off. Um, and for our first year back in in the in the first division, after winning the league, we finished ninth, so halfway up, which was more than more than was planned. Um, and again, absolutely loved the experience of being, you know, the youngest head coach or what have you. Um, but just the experience with the players and the media and the the life experience it was was more was more or, or better than anything I'd ever done. Yeah, so there's there's a there's a lot to, to unpack. So for anyone listening, don't worry, we're gonna go into it now. Um when you're at St. Truden, um at the level you guys were at, was video analysis something that was used throughout the league at that point? Or do you think that's something that you'd brought in and that had been pretty much a massive part of the actual success that went forward? No, but this was it's now seven years ago or eight years ago, and it was something completely new. Um, 
you know, they were they were doing a bit of video and, and sort of filming it, you know, with a, with a, with a pretty poor camera. Um, but it was something, you know, new. It was, you know, opposition anal analysis. It was um, analysing our training sessions, our games, and really going into more detail of, of analysis and, and a improving players, but also improving the collective. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like boasting or being cocky or arrogant, but it, I'm, when I look back on it now, I'm pretty sure it had a, a big, big impact on the team. Um, and, you know, we won the league in that first season, so it must have had something to do with it. Where, where did that idea come from? Because I know it was obviously part of your idea to take that forward. So was that something you had picked up on uh, the football scholarship and studies that you had done? Or was it something that you had read or, or just something that had just came naturally? Because I know it was, it was massively used. We hear about it on all the licenses now, but it's been massively used in other sports for years. And I recently uh, listening to Bielsa's book and he was like recording sessions back in 89 on like an old camcorder years ahead of people. So where had you kind of picked that up from? A bit of everything of what you just mentioned, actually. Um, I had a, obviously a course about it at, at college, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, I'd read into, you know, the, the, the video analyst analysis in hockey, for example, uh, and, and rugby. Um, and I was like, no one uses this in Belgium. Or no one is using it enough. Uh, and you know, with enough detail to sort of make a difference. And so I was like, I, you know, I'd, the dream was always to become a professional footballer. Um, I realised at 18, 19, I was never going to make it. And so I was like, you know, what's the next step? Where can I, where can I stick my foot in the door and get a job in, in, in professional football? And video analysis just seemed to be the right one. And you know, I've managed to get my foot in the door, start as a video analyst, and make my way up. That's quite interesting. Yeah. So that was that was an actual active decision that you realize because because i'm kind of interested to hear what it is like in belgium because there is a perception and now doing badges myself and trying to get in and seeing the rules that come available and fill up pretty quickly and the amount of applicants you have is it's very hard to get into football at any sort of paid level within the professional structures is it really having to make a, a niche for yourself then yeah i've got to be honest that the first uh, seven months of that first season, I wasn't paid. Um, I was lucky enough to be, you know, living at home, and my parents, you know, asked to count on them for financial issues. Um, and the coach would pay me my petrol, um, something to eat every so often. But I wasn't bothered. I was never, never did it for the money. I just wanted to, you know, be in that environment and, and burn and, and, yeah evolve as a person and as a coach and as, as you know, the person that I've become um, because as, like you said you know money was it's it's so limited and they prefer spending it on, on you know so many other things until they actually realise that it could be useful in you know being used in the right way um, and so I started off as a sort of trialist um, I did three weeks and then the staff was like and the head coach especially was like no you've got you know, you've got to stay if you can stay you know, we'd love you to stay, and even if we can't pay you, just you know, just just do it. Um, and it became a no-brainer, and just stay there. It's it's quite interesting because I've approached. Um, because I have obviously with doing the the BNA license, I have that you given the software, so I have the software. So I've actually approached um, clubs in the lower tiers in Scotland about doing video analysis for them and coming in and presenting. 
and suggesting stuff that they can do on oppositions and their own game. And mm. it's even at a point in Scotland where even within League Two and League One, you've got people saying they don't get their matches filmed. Like their games don't even get filmed. So it's like so difficult even see what you're saying for a, a coach to even try and get in and get the experience of even just being in within a professional structure because the second point is we don't even currently have our games filmed which is, yeah. is just baffling um, so much of that was a success she's won the league got promoted then very quickly into the following season due to a departure with Standard Liège um, yourself and Yannick Ferreira and a couple other assistants go to that job um, you've won the cup in your first season mm-hmm. finish in the Europa League spots yeah what was the politics that followed um, off of such a remarkable season and your first trophy as a professional um, at the top flight that then leads to dismissals of the manager and all his assistants? There were only two of us. He only took myself. Um, but to this day, that is my biggest, not regret, because I don't regret any of it, but it's my biggest uh, disappointment. I still can't put my finger on what we did wrong or what happened. Um, and I've actually just come to the conclusion that we had nothing to do with it. It was, it was politics above our head that, you know, agents wanted a certain manager in um, and, and, you know, there were agreements above us that we had you know, no impact on. Um, because any, any club wouldn't fire a coach that was third in the league, uh, that had just won two games and it was about to play you know, Europa League group stages. Um, so I've, you know, I've sort of stopped worrying about it. It was like, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't, you know, we didn't fail. We didn't, you know, lose games that we should have won. We went in there and did, you know, what the club asked from us and did it in the very best possible way, I think. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got the answer to that, I'd love to hear it because <laughs> I've been looking for years and, you know, I've sort of stopped trying to understand why. And I think it's it's kind of one of the things that we'll see from talking about where you've been and where you're going to and what you've been doing is that you don't probably really have time to think about it too much because before you know it, you're in the second division again. um, Things transpire. You, at the age of 24, then become the head coach of your, your, your first team as head coach. You said you talked to the players. What... What sort of stuff did you have to speak to players about? Because obviously the role of assistant manager is a completely different gig to being the manager. You're probably, as assistant potentially, historically speaking, the one that's probably got to be closest to the players day to day and the manager is the one that has to make the tough decisions. So how do you then step from from the assistant manager into the manager and what, what players did you actually discuss with? I'm assuming that's the, the captain, is the, the first person to speak to. Uh, easiest answer is I just stayed exactly the same um, and I think that's what earned me enough credibility uh, with the players um, because you know because of my age I was only 24 so I was sort of the same age as, as you know, half of the players and the other half were probably older than me um, but having been assistant I think you know they realised that on the pitch, I've got I've got sort of quite a strong personality, and I, I know what I want. And I know how my teams need to play football. Um, you know, I can seem a bit a bit shy and a bit you know evasive off the pitch. Um, but once I get you know within those four white lines, and I'm just determined to win games and be you know be the best I can be. Um, and I just didn't change. Uh, 
you know, I, I'd said to the players, listen, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a mess. Um, I think I can help. I think, you know, we can we can find the answers together and we can find the best best solutions for everyone. Um, and I stayed honest to, any, to everyone. You know, if, if players weren't playing, it was like, you know, mate, we, we, we're trying to win games. I think this is the best possibility or the best way we can win them. Um, and, you know, I got lucky enough that we did actually pick up points and we did win games and we did, you know, start going in the right direction. Um, but just say myself, you know, I, was, I, I stayed in close contact with the players. Um, I stayed, you know, the, the same sort of happy and, and, you know, familiar face to those players. So there was no pretending to be someone else or acting, you know, like someone that you're not because at the end of the day, people see through that. Um, but again, you know, I was lucky enough that we did we did win games and we did pick up the points that we needed to pick up. What did you change then? If you have been part of a coaching staff um, and the manager departs, is there stuff already in your mind that perhaps you've already tried to, um, how do we put this politically, tried to already change um, whilst the manager's been there, but you've seen a, a better way of perhaps doing things that's not you've not been able to do until you've been given the authority? Yeah, well, I've always had, you know, like a quite clear uh, view on how I want, you know, teams to play and how I want, you know, my players to behave. Um, but every coach has got his own, you know, way of working, his own philosophy, his own principles. And as an assistant, you just have to support that as best you can. Even, you know, sometimes you don't agree, which is totally normal. Um, and probably probably, you know, a good thing. My opinion, I'll always, you know, put out on the table what I think and what, you know, what I think is best for everyone. Um, and you still there, John? Yeah, it's two seconds. It's same uh, connections, unstable, so I'm making Hello? sure I'm all... Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was saying my connection was having a problem, so I'm just like coming off my Wi-Fi and all my devices are sitting around me. <laughs> Don't worry, this will be an edit point for everyone. <laughs> um I got I got I got your end, but I couldn't see I couldn't see or hear anything on my end when I was trying to speak, but that's fine. Um Yeah, so I was saying, you know, you always have your 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 own vision and, and you sometimes disagree with what you know the coach thinks and the way he wants to do things. Um, which is actually a good thing for me because um, it creates, you know, like a debate and a, and a, you know, a conversation around, you know, people actually getting better and teams getting better. Um, and, you know, every time I've replaced, or the two times I've replaced a head coach that has either been sacked or has left to a, you know, a big club, I've just tried to do, you know, bring little subtle changes to what, suits me best you know there are always things that you can tweak or change and sometimes you don't actually have to tweak or change anything um you know at beer scott we were we started the season off ridiculously well um and then we sort of hit the, the downwards curve which you know every team coming up uh, knows um but the changes i implemented were actually changes that we'd always spoke about before um that the head coach probably hadn't had time to put into place because he left, um, but it's in, for me. I want if I was a head coach, I'd want my assistants to have their own ideas and their own, 
you know, points of view and to share them. Um, and I try to be as honest and as open as possible to whoever I'm working with if I'm an assistant. What was the, the reason that you didn't remain head coach at Leos? Was it to do with licenses? Yeah, well, basically in Belgium, in the top two uh, divisions, so first division, you need to be um, a minimum inscribed on the pro license, which I, I was last year. Um, and the second division, you have to have the A license. Um, and at the time, I was you know, with you lot doing the, the, the B license in Scotland. Um, so I was only allowed to do three months of that season, um, right. which was, I think it was 12 or 15 games. I can't remember exactly. Um, so officially, I wasn't head coach, but unofficially, I was. I, I just did the whole season at <laughs> at, um, at um, But you know, I've, I've sorted that that license problem out, and uh, hopefully, it won't come again. Yeah, it seems such a silly, silly, silly rule um, for it to ever have been a thing. I remember when Stephen Gerrard joined Rangers, and he was he hadn't been on his pro yet, and he had to try yeah. and get him a spot for Rangers to take part in Europe. And you're like, if the the, the club wants to employ who it wants to employ. It's up to them. Exactly. Um, then talk to Bear Scott. So you went to them. They were in the second division at the time. Um, successfully yeah. got them promoted um, a season and a half ago now um, into the top flight. And the, the manager leaves for DC United. Yeah. Was there already clear discussions? I know you'd been assistant under uh, was it two managers already before that. Ah, yeah. Scott. Yeah. Had there been discussions with the board that you were going to be the, the man to take over at that point? not that I was aware of. I think they'd made a decision pretty early. Um, but to be honest with you, I was on the plane with him. <laughs> you know, tickets were, you know, flights were booked and, and my flat was already sorted in, in, in Washington to go with that head coach. Um, and then the club turned around and said, no, we'll, we actually want you to do it. And then it was like, wow. You know, I can't. At 28 to become you know, the youngest manager and to, to get that opportunity, I, I can turn it down. Um, didn't in the end. Were you aware of the the historical nature of that at the point? Because I, I obviously um, I, it's hard to tell, but I feel like every time in the news and every every year there's a new German coach or Austrian coach that's been appointed of a an Austrian Bundesliga or German Bundesliga um, head coaching position. It's in his early thirties and the the new youngest coach, the new young thing. Were you aware at that point that you were going to be the youngest coach, or was that something that was then said to you? It was something that's the, I think one of the journalists told me at the press conference when I was uh, appointed. Obviously, I was aware of it, but it just, it was never like an item. I wasn't, I wasn't that bothered by it um, because I, you know, I'd been a younger head coach in second division when I was when I was twenty four, and to me, it was just like the next thing that I was always going to do. I think, you know, my my ambition as soon as I started off. Um, as a video analyst and, and you know got to understand the world of football and the professional world was actually I want to be head coach you know, this is that's where I want to be and that's what I want to be doing um, and the age factor will it was just an, you know it's just a number at the end of the day and I wasn't that bothered about it at all um, you know I, I knew journalists were going to talk about it I knew it would be like front page you know newspapers and that probably someone abroad would get hold of it like I think the son did um, but 
I, I, honestly, I was just sort of, you know, busy with, with how we were going to start winning games again, not not anything else. How how are the local press with that? Um, obviously, you've been coaching, been in analysis in in the back room, and to you, you've always been involved in football as a result of that. But um, over here, I know very well that from Hearts appointing Ian Caffrey, who'd been an assistant at some top clubs and really well thought of within the SFA. Um, you've got Tam Coates who's taking the Dundee United job kind of out of nowhere. Um, he's had a couple of lower-end jobs. But it almost feels like the the media here are so dead set on writing anyone off that's not played at a high level or they've not heard of religiously for 20 years. It needs to be somebody that's in their 40s that's been around the leagues. How are the journalists in Belgium with a, with a young modern coach taking charge of a top-flight side? Uh, I think that's why I'm not still head coach at Big Scott now. Right, okay. Um, just because that is that's just the way football works, I think. You know, people want a name, experience, uh, someone that's been a player. And I think it's, a, it's you know, probably half and half. Half of the people or half of the journalists are really excited to see someone, you know, new on the block, um, young, probably not had a career. And the other half are like, well, oh, this is never going to work. You know, they need someone with a with experience, with a bigger character, and a, you know, and a proper playing career. I just think that's the way. You know, whether that's Scotland, Belgium, England, wherever, people are always going to. It's always going to be an item, um, and until you actually prove them wrong by winning a few games and, and doing things the right way, you know, that's just how it would always be. Sadly enough, which is interesting because. You did when you first took over. You'd kind of stopped it. I wouldn't say stopped the rot, but you stopped the rot defensively because there was a, there was a lot of goals being conceded. Kept a lot of clean sheets in the cup and the league going forward at the start. And um, it did kind of peter off a wee bit towards the end of the season. But I mean, all in all, it was a very comfortable finish for a team that had just been promoted. Twenty-year-old um, head coach. What were the discussions like? At what point did you find out that they were appointing a new head coach above you? And were were they keen to actually? keep you on board I found out four days before pre-season started um, which I was disappointed about um, you know I'd, I'd had a few conversations with the board and I'd had you know, I'd given my opinion on what the squad needed and you know where the club had to go um, and I think they hesitated and, and you know spoke about it and some people were positive about my story and some people were against it within the board um, and I think the end decision came to the technical director that sort of you know under influence of whoever decided that it was probably best you know second season they say it's always the most difficult when you, you know, make it back to top flight um, and Scott is also owned by uh, the same owners that own Sheffield United and Sheffield United had gone up and then gone straight back down. And I think they wanted to avoid that. Um, and, you know, they came, they, the, the answer they gave me was, well, you know, we want someone with bags of experience that's done it before, um, that, you know, can deal with the pressure of the second season being more difficult. Um, but we'd love to stay, you know, for you to stay on as assistant coach. But that was, that to me, that was just like impossible. It was like, no, not, not, not happening. Can't happen. Um, 
so yeah, four days before pre-season started, it was a bit disappointed. Um, but you know, that's just life. You know, this opportunity's come up now, so we'll you know make the best out of it. So from that, then at that point, how long are we before Reams get in touch? Um, it's probably ten days later they gave me a call. Um, because you know, I, so I, I you know, told Beer Scott that I couldn't continue as assistant because of the you know relationships and, and structure that I'd put into place. Um, had a few contacts with you know other clubs in, in Belgium and, and Holland also, and then about ten days later, Vance came up and said, "Right, well, we want you." And it was a no-brainer. Yeah, nobody goes and asks for the job that they've just been promoted out of. Um, to go back to the old job they had, right? Um, how how is the standard um, been already um, at Reims? So obviously, Reims were very impressive two seasons ago. Made it to Europa League last season. They just about survived in the in the league. What is the what is the aim for this season ahead? What what have you seen of the standard from what you've um, been acclimatized to in the past in Belgium? Um, it goes a lot quicker. And it's a lot more uh, intense, I think the right word is. Um, there's obviously, you know, more and more quality players on the pitch and more quality to train with um, because the league is that much you know, better and tougher. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's still football. <laughs> you know, it's still the same, same rules, same principles, the same way of doing things. Uh, you just have that extra quality um, the training complex, for example, is is, is ridiculous. Um, I think we've got, you know, I can't even count how many pitches we've got to train on. Um, but, the, you know, the gym, the changing rooms, the, the office, uh, the video room, everything is done so that you can be as, as, as good as you can be um, and improve whenever you can improve. Um, so you, you notice it in that, in those little, diff, you know, in those little details like training complex, stadium, uh, the way the club sorts everything out for you, um, the quality of players on the training pitch, um, and the general sort of organisation of the, the club and the league and, and, and the environment you're working in. What What of the the season ahead do you think is the the highlights that you're looking forward to? Um, if I, If I look at that PSG side, you're going to be uh, putting your wits against it, say. It's quite an impressive side. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a worldy side, to be honest. Um, I think the club's ambition is to finish top 10, which is realistic. Um, but then, you know, when, as soon as I signed, it was like, you know, when are we playing PSG? When are we playing Marseille? When do we go to Lyon? When do we go to Monaco? Uh, and you obviously look out for those, you know, big fixtures and, and it's it's really exciting, but also a bit sort of, you know, not not stressful. But you are going to be playing against Neymar, Mbappe, uh, Verratti, Donnarumma, and the best players of Europe. Um, so it'll be really interesting, and I'll probably learn you know a huge amount. Um, and that's what I'm most looking forward to. I think. And for yourself um, individually, what is the the pathway, the, the plan, if you could envision it, 
um, going forward, is it to still become in the next five, ten years your own head coach of your own club and try and get into European level football that you were kind of robbed of um, at Liège? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you know within. I've never sort of set a, like a, a time scale or a, or a fixed you know, destination that I want to go to. Um, I'm still only 28. Um, and I've got enough time in front of me. I think I can use this experience uh, in Haas to, 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 you know, to grow again as a coach and as a person. Um, but the ultimate goal is is definitely to become a, a head coach at one of the you know better clubs around Europe. And I think as ambitious as I am, you know, everyone wants to be playing Champions League football um, and, and be the best version of themselves and the best coach that they can be. So that's definitely one thing I, you know, I want to do. And not to, to highlight any of your favourites at the current squad, but um, if we're watching the French League this year, is there anyone we need to keep an eye out for and that we might not know of from the Rooms team? Um, if he stays with us, because the transfer period is still is still long. <laughs> um, Nathaniel Mbuku, um, who's just been to the Olympics uh, with, uh, with the France national squad. Um, very good player, really interesting profile. Um, so he's definitely one that you can if you stay with us keep an eye on right okay doc um, well thanks very much for joining us um, really appreciate that interview it's been it's been good catching up and letting everyone know um, more of your story rather than just a, a wee bit of a headline a wee snippet of a um, couple of the records you've been setting um, good luck for the rest of the season I'll be keeping in touch cheers John thank you if you've enjoyed this podcast please consider becoming a Patreon for the fourth official patreon.com forward slash the fourth official for as little as $2.99 a month, you can get early access to podcasts like this from the world of football, in-depth articles, and much, much more. That's patreon.com forward slash the fourth official.